Ah, here ha, I am. Ha. Yes, here I am. Yes, here you are. Just had to close the door because my wife's watching cops or something. Bad boys, bad boys. Yes. <laughs> what you gonna do? Um, hi. Hello. How's it going? Fantastic. Oh, Adam has bestashed himself. Okay. He's Adam Dash the Stash Dash. <laughs> so hi, Adam. Uh, hi. We've never spoken before. How are you? Very well. How about yourself? Good, thanks. So just tell me who you are, what brought you here, and also your Twitter handles, please, so all the good people of the Twitters can follow you immediately. Two years ago, more than two years ago, I saw something about following Julie. I uh, was through Daniel. I uh, in injected myself and asked if I could belong. Uh, I think I'm an OG. Um, yep. And uh, it's been uh, fun ever since. And, and I'm Leah Dreaves, and my at LJ Dries. Adam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, uh, my name is, and my Twitter handle both are uh, Adam Reisner. Uh, so it's at Adam Reisner's R-E-I-Z, like zebra, and E-R. Um, and I tweet, uh, and I am uh, John Bolton's stash in any number of different iterations. Uh, <laughs> currently, since it's the Halloween season, Season of the Witch. I am uh, John Bolton's disembodied stash, uh, and uh, but I've been a pooligan since the very beginning. Before there were pooligans, uh, I heard Julie when she came on after Pete Dominic changed channels, and I was like, "Who is this woman?" I did not like her in the beginning, but she grew <laughs> on me really quickly, and. What I love most about the show is, and a caller today said it, is I don't have any idea where she actually stands on any issue. I, I couldn't tell you if she was a closet Trump supporter or a Biden hugger, or I'd be very mad if she was going to go out and vote for Joe Jorgensen. But it's one of the things I love about the show is it is it's supposed to be down the middle and it is straight down the middle. You know, that's exactly how I started listening to. I was listening to Dominic. Yes. And uh, all of a sudden, someone else was there. And in fact, the only reason why I joined Twitter is that she had some interesting show on, and I felt uh, the need to uh, contribute. So that's why also why I have a very unoriginal Twitter handle, because I had to hurry up and send my tweet, and I'd never even looked at Twitter before. <laughs> so she's responsible for all of the above. So tell me a little bit what the last two and a half years were like for you, that, that whole journey to get here, and what, if anything, has changed for you over those two and a half years from when we first spoke to what things are like now. And maybe we'll start with Leah. Are we talking about in Trump world? In any world, actually, any world. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly actually more interested in you guys than I am in politics, per se, if that makes sense. So if these two and a half years, if the fact that, that there was a Trump administration has impacted you or your family or people that you know in any specific way, then I'd love to hear about that and also how maybe emotionally you fare during those two and a half years and where you find yourself now. Well, I guess I should point out that I am presently in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, although I'm an American, I became a uh, dual citizen a couple of years ago. So uh, I'm still connected to the United States because I'm still American. Uh, 
uh, but I have some distance and uh, and uh, health coverage uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by being across the border. Uh, and it's been an eventful couple of years for me too, because, uh, I was laid off. I moved, I just found another job. So it's been a, a little bit uneven that way. Um, uh, and as far as, you know, I can't, well, you know, I'm American and I love the United States and, uh, two of my children still live down there. Luckily not too far away. Uh, and the United States just affects the whole world. So it's not just about us, even though. We're very, you know, America-centric. Uh, everything that's done down there matters to everybody. Uh, and these last couple of years have been really alarming. Uh, and why I was never a Trump fan and won't ever be a Trump fan, I didn't know it was going to be this bad. Can I ask you, how much does the Trump circus dominate local news in Canada? It dominates news cycles up here. Um, we're sorry uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but in a really uh I, I, my understanding is even pre-trump uh united states just looms large um but um i mean even today i was listening to the news and they're talking about fauci dr fauci is like come on we got our own doctors but everything's just really america-centric uh, but just this past weekend these last two uh this yeah this past saturday and sunday uh, they had uh, uh, rallies or protests uh, in downtown Vancouver. And they were protesting the mask mandate and the shutdown of the government. The best part is there is no mask mandate. And the government had, and BC was never shut down completely. Hmm. So, so what, what, okay. So they were demonstrating just for fun, funsies and giggles. they get so caught up in this whole Trump thing. Wow. You know, that kind of mentality is not just down in the United States. It's up here, too. That's amazing. It's, um, it's <laughs> shocking. It would be shocking even if there was a mask mandate. But the fact that there isn't even one and they're protesting is mind-boggling. So uh, America doesn't have a uh, monopoly on the uninformed. No, not at all. Uh, let me tell you about the uninformed briefly, if I may, Adam. Sure. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm preempting no. you. But I, I had a conversation with my mom earlier, who, who is with us during during her cancer treatment and has been here since last since May of 2019. And she still regularly obviously talks with her friends in Switzerland. So Switzerland now finds itself in a situation where they have the the largest amount of co of COVID growth in the world. Wow. They had there are demonstrations constantly because apparently nobody wants to wear a mask. Their, their mandates did not involve wearing masks inside. So people just went back about their jobs. There were no masks required, neither outside nor inside. And people were apparently just pretending that the whole thing never happened, sort of the Sweden model. Mm. And just like in Sweden, uh, it went terribly wrong. And so now they're looking at ridiculous amounts of COVID infections and find themselves the butt of European jokes because they're all, what they're doing is exactly what you just described, Leah, in, in downtown Vancouver. There are just people protesting constantly without masks while everybody else is getting conveniently infected. So no, Adam, America definitely does not have some sort of monopoly on COVID. It just makes me sad. 
Now that's not to say things haven't been, you know, shut down here, shut down here mm -hmm. at different times. Uh, sure. Cause it was, but not, it was never, ever, really, never, there was never, ever a lockdown. Uh, but I think there was just a lot of compliance. That helps. So they never really mm -hmm. had to go that way. Also, right. also, um, I pulled up this uh, article. I wish I thought about it. I would have gotten it ready for right now. I live mm -hmm. in a place called Richmond. It's just south of uh, Vancouver and actually is where the uh, Vancouver International Airport is. Uh, and it's the most Asian uh, city in North America. Uh, population is 71% Asian. 54% of it is Chinese. So there was already a very uh, strong culture of mask wearing. And we have the lowest, lowest incidence of uh, COVID uh, in North America for a city our size. That's amazing. And, and they're saying it's because of the culture of people just wear masks. That's mm -hmm. what you do. Um, so, you know, I count myself lucky that way. And when they did the, uh, you know how they do the DNA testing and can see where different strains have come from? Are the initial strains that infected British Columbia were from Washington State? not from China. Hmm. It took everybody by surprise. Well, that's like the cases in New York, they say, came predominantly from Italy. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't stop Trump from talking about how quickly he shut down China. And oh, yeah. Everybody should congratulate him for this incredible mm -hmm. achievement. Mm -hmm. Racism and ignorance go hand in hand. And it's disheartening that there are so many people that are receptive to that. Mm -hmm. We saw them today. We were... We had to go and pick something up at uh, Bass Pro Shops tonight. So as we were passing the mall, and I commented to my wife, it was rather um, funny that they were in front of Chick-fil-A, but uh, <laughs> there were about uh, 25 people holding uh, Trump flags and Trump signs and law and order and all that kind of nonsense. And they'd been there for quite some time because my wife had driven past her about an hour earlier and they had been there before. And she's like, hmm. we should go on the other side with Biden signs. I'm like, no, people who would normally hold <laughs> Biden signs are a little bit more bright than to be standing out there. Since we're on Adam, Adam, tell us a little bit, how were the last, I'm sorry that I preempted That's earlier, okay. but what, what were your last two and a half years like? How has that played out for yourself, for your family? Well, and where do you find yourself now? Um, well, personally, um, everything's pretty good. Um, I had gotten a promotion a few years ago into a different department and things are going well. It's a little more stressful, uh, more stressful now than ever because I've taken on the responsibility of doing coverage for a 24-hour print shop. So I do every couple of weeks. I'm on either second or third shift in addition to my regular job. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so that's a little stressful, but it takes my mind off of the political situation and I usually have something going in my ear, um, thanks to an earbud uh, when I'm there. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, things have been, been good at home, uh, aside from uh, in May of uh, 2019, uh, we lost my beloved Penny, for whom Penny's Pet Corner is named. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we adopted Luke uh, in his stead in the following July. So, uh, things are good there. And, uh, you know, I just try and keep as much of a level head as I can with the political situation because uh, it's very difficult to sustain outrage. 
So, and it's not healthy. I, I was going to ask you about the, the outrage in particular, because it's something that it, it seemed when I remember two and a half years ago, when we first started, one of the reasons why I really wanted to do a podcast is because I was constantly so outraged that I, that I kept outraging at, at my wife who really wanted none of my outrage politically or otherwise, and was not interested in discussing my my outrage about politics at all because to her it just simply did not matter very much so i needed some other outlet for my outrage and two and a half years ago i thought i was pretty outraged mm -hmm. and then another two and a half years happened and now looking back i find those times almost innocent in there <laughs> so i'm i'm curious how you dealt with that over time or or does that does it feel to you as if things have actually shifted or do you feel like you've become numb? How have you dealt with those feelings of outrage over time, do you well, feel? Well, the only thing that's really shifted is, is me. Um, everything is still the same as it was, but you, it, I take it I'm speaking to two people who've seen the movie Office Space. Mm -hmm. When, uh, and now his, the character's name slips my mind, but when he gets hypnotized in the beginning, that he simply just isn't going to care. Um, I mm -hmm. had to go through that because between Livingston, be, Ron Livingston. Thank Sorry. you. Yeah. That yeah, that's the person. I forget what the character's name was, yeah, but I, um, I had before there were Pooligans in December of 2017. I had a heart attack, and then in March of 2019, I had what I referred to as half a heart attack. And that's because a combination of stressors, um, I, I had an issue, I had another artery close up, but I caught it before I had a heart attack. And the talk that I had with my doctor was that I just had to find a way to limit stress. And um, I can't smoke hmm. pot because it's too strong and I got things to do. Um, I can't drink and I don't like fogging my brain. so. I just had to kind of have that Ron Livingston moment where I just, like I said, just can't sustain the outrage. So I'm just going to kind of take a Zen approach to it. And there, and the only things I'm going to really worry about are things that I can control. And, you know, if we were to draw it like a Venn diagram, things I can control and things I can't control. The things I can't control mm -hmm. is a much bigger circle than the things I can. <laughs> so it's just a matter of, you know, and I and I wish if I could come up with how I came to that, I would write a book because I would be a rich self-help guru. But it was just mm -hmm. a change that had to be made if I wanted to live. And, and you know, to the point where uh, I was probably... A half an hour out of my uh, angioplasty surgery, getting the second stent placed uh, in March of 2019, and I had my friend bring my phone down from the room, and Julie was having a call-in segment, and I was, <laughs> and I called, and I was talking to her as they were wheeling me from the the emergency room. No way. Yes, I was talking to Julie as they were wheeling me upstairs and getting me set in my room, and because. I had tweeted something about being in the hospital uh, the night before the procedure, and I got a DM from Julie on Twitter. 
uh, just asking me if everything was okay. So we DM back and forth for a bit. And then the next day I had my procedure and there I was talking to her on the phone. And she commented on what a dedicated pooligan I was because I'm just out of anesthesia and talking to mm-hmm. her. So cool. I've I've congratulated people just for pulling over to the side of the road in order to tweet. So being wheeled being <laughs> wheeled from your stand placement in the in the emergency room is is that that's a whole other level of dedication, Adam. It's priorities. Yeah, that that is outstanding pooling. Well, work. you know you know how I I'm gonna have to clap for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. That is truly well. You, that is outstanding. It's kind of like that whole Mike Pence thing about being what is it a uh, a Christian first, a conservative second, or whatever, whatever, however it is. But I'm a pooligan <laughs> first, and, and then everything else falls into place. So all hail, all hail, Ms. Mason. Very very impressive, Adam. That is a, that is a great story. Um, Leah, I think for you, work was more of a stressor really up there in Canada. Your work situation, I think, was more of a stressor than the politics, was it not? Well, they went hand in hand. But I mean, yes. Yes to both. Um, Mm -hmm. In the beginning. There was heaven. Like I said, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I can kind of don't agree with, but I can kind of understand why people, or I can accept that people voted for Trump the first. Um, Okay. I can't accept anyone that's voting for them now. Um, I've managed not to ask anyone uh, or hear anyone that I care about tell me that they're voting for them. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, because I'm out of the country, so I can avoid a lot of conversations. Uh, because I don't know what I would do. I I just think it's so awful. And uh, I am not in a Zen place at all. And uh, I kind of... Uh, uh, kind of along the lines of uh, Daniel in the sense that thank goodness for pooligans and, and uh, being able to tweet because I have to let off steam somewhere. So, uh, yeah, it's bad. So do you feel like Twitter has been a useful, so does it sort of feel like being plugged into a matrix that is helpful to you or do you feel that it's... Um, all right, well, see, I have, I have like three iterations. Uh, Instagram is where I go to see photographs of family. Because most of my, a lot of my family have left Facebook. Uh, Facebook I use for staying in touch with friends from, because I've lived a bunch of different places, you know, staying mm-hmm. in touch with fa- friends and family. Uh, on Twitter, this is where I let it all hang out. So um, this is my place, you know, and this is where I can, I, I'm not going to say I enjoy it, but this is my outlet and I appreciate it. So I'm not on the negative side of Twitter right now, but I also don't don't I don't get riled up by bots or trolls or anything like that. I don't think I I make the cut for any of that stuff. So uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm lucky that way. You haven't lived, uh, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll pass. You know, uh, so yeah, so uh, I I'm a Twitter a tweeter fan. A a Twitterer. A Twitterer. How are you with looking forward to the? I, I actually don't know which one I should ask first, the the holidays or the election. But as this as this election is approaching, do you approach it sort of calmly? Do you do you feel like it's going to go one way or the other? Do you do you have some certainty, or is it a nail biter for you guys? Well, I moved in with my son, uh, and I told him that either he should definitely be here for the election. Or definitely not be here 
because I'm going to be screaming. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I have, so it's a nail biter. Uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hysterical and I'm hysterical. I'm hysterical. What do you feel has gotten you to that stage? Do you know? Um, well, Trump. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 I assumed it wasn't the it wasn't the surprise of incredible healthcare and uh, and a beautiful city with a view of the uh, of the lake. Yeah. No, the consequences are so huge right now. You know, if if uh, if Trump's reelected, it's, I'm not going to say I I'm trying not to think of something that's you know too too hyperbolic, but. Very not helpful for a podcast guest, but I'm speechless when it comes to what will happen if Trump wins again. Uh, and even if he loses, what's going to happen between the election and the inauguration? I'm terrified. I'm really curious about that, too. The amount of shenanigans that I suspect would be going on there would would seem significant. And I'm also wonder what the over under is on him trying to pardon himself and or member of his members of his family. That would be interesting. Hey, he. Because he has no shame. Yeah, I'm wondering how the how SCOTUS would rule on that. <sighs> That's another thing. Gosh, I'm so mad about that too. The the SCOTUS situation. Well, it looks like that may be already a done deal. Yeah. So there. But I was thinking about that today, and and let me know what you think about that. I was I was thinking on my way. I I was dropping something off for my son and was driving back, and and on the way back, I heard McConnell talking about how by Tuesday they'll probably have a new a new SCOTUS judge or justice. And and I was thinking that they're pushing this through the way that they have or the way that it looks that they will would seem to open the door for the Democrats to do whatever the fuck it is that they would like to do. Should they should the Republicans lose the presidency and the Senate in roughly 10 days from now? Why would the Democrats at that point not take that opportunity and go, you know what, you, excuse my French, fucked us twice? Yeah. What I'm wondering is, though, is will Biden feel some kind of uh, uh, obligation to the Republicans that uh, switched over and voted for him? It's a, it's a really interesting question, Lee. I wonder about that, too. I think Biden has given sort of mixed signals. And I think he, he started with it's not really something. The idea of expanding the Supreme Court was something he didn't want to talk about. Then lately he has settled on there would be a bunch of scholars a and, and that he would a commission that he would that would advise. But it's a really interesting question, and it would seem to me that it would not be something that would come naturally to the Biden that we've experienced over the years. I'm I'm going to go back on what I said uh, right after RBG passed, which was at that point I said, I want 13 justices on SCOTUS, and... Um, I've go- I'm going back on that, and I, I find... I find it to be a very dark path if we if he was to do that and the reason being is that there's nothing then let's say Biden or not Biden but Harris loses in 2024 is what I'm guessing if if they do that there's nothing to stop the Republicans from saying all right fine we're going to add seven more justices to the court so, well yeah that's that's so, basically going to be the game so from now on out here's the way that I'm looking at it roberts is still relatively young he's been the swing vote um on a bunch of cases and shockingly uh um the the beer guy kavanaugh uh he's been a swing vote 
once or twice. Mm. So my thought is Thomas, who should have never been confirmed to the court to begin with, um, and Alito mm -hmm. are both a little older. So they're, they're not going to be there forever. So let's just say we, we tough it out for these four years, and they tough it out for these four years. I have a feeling that if we have President Harris in 2025, that they're not going to be able to stick it out that much longer. So the court will go through its own rebalancing. Um, Kavanaugh might drink himself to death between now and then. We don't know. So it, mm -hmm. it's. I think if we went back to a 5-4, even if the Democrats were in a minority, or, excuse me, justices are supposed to be impartial, but mm -hmm. if we had, we're back to four justices or five justices, well, actually, no. Six three six no, no. five four yeah so we yeah. would be we would then be at that point a five four majority so you know it, it's it's a dark path and I think that they're not doing themselves any favor any favors by doing that and when I initially said it you know a month ago it, I I think it was just out of a moment of anger well I saw. Um, I saw a couple things. One is uh, regarding Biden and the options there are besides adding justices, mm -hmm. that there there are a bunch of other remedies. I can't really uh, remember many of them right now, uh, including legislating some stuff. So it's not just expanding or nothing. So there might be sure. other options. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious what they're going to do, what they're going to get up to, how how the progressive wing of the party is going to behave if the decision comes down that, in fact, they would like to sort of play it straight, which is something that's usually the beat on the Democrats, is that they they finally get into a position where they have a supermajority. And the next thing that they're doing is, well, now we have a supermajority, but now let's play it really straight. You know, some people have different kinds of fantasies. Yeah. My fantasy is, is that Biden ends up being an FDR kind of president. Uh, and there were some discussions that he had referred to himself as as, as uh, taking a more FDR kind of approach. So, fingers crossed, he surprises us all. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's why one of the reasons why I am frightened with the talk of him putting any Republicans in his cabinet. Uh, I would not like to see that. And uh, I've heard the other side saying that there are probably very few Republicans that would be willing to be in his cabinet. And I think they might even talked about that on Julie today. I can't remember what day I heard about Yeah, I think Trumpism show. is still too fresh. I don't think that would happen. Oh, the guy who, who he, uh, Kasich, yeah. you're talking mm -hmm. about. Yeah, Kasich. So there's about, a yeah. couple of those that they're talking about. You can make them an ambassadors. I don't care. Go ahead and make them an ambassador. But I don't really want them in the cabinet. Yeah. We've got too many Democrats that we have to groom. Kasich is not the, the uh, moderate that people think he is. Um, I don't want him anywhere near any kind of power, uh, not in any cabinet position, not as a special advisor. I don't want Kasich having the ear of the president, even. I, I can't stand that man. What is it that so irks you about Kasich? Um, he is pro-life to the nth degree, and mm -hmm. he is one of those people that would eliminate abortion uh, as far as being an option for women's health. And, you know, it's not that I have really a, a dog in this fight specifically. Um, 
my wife is beyond childbearing. Um, my -hmm. daughter's not interested in having children. Um, but it doesn't mean that she shouldn't have the right to make her own reproductive choices. I've also Mm -hmm. got a granddaughter who's way early, way before, you know, she's, you know, 10, uh, hopefully 20 years before thinking about any of that, um, at eight Mm -hmm. years old, but I want the option to be there. The option was there for her mother. And thankfully she chose the option I preferred and I have a granddaughter, but you know, someone like Kasich wouldn't want someone to be able to make that decision for themselves. Adam, what state do you live in? Illinois. Pennsylvania? No, Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in a very blue state. So, um, even, even so when it comes to, uh, election day i'm gonna be there with my mask in line at five o'clock for a 6 a.m um opening of the polls Mm -hmm. but why did you not vote early adam i just don't trust the post office at this point Hmm. in time um and i i illinois doesn't have the they've got a few like centrally located uh, uh drop boxes for early ballots and I just, if it's not going directly to my polling place, I don't know that I trust the process. I also live in a fairly uh, red county, so I, well, let's just say the word fuckery comes to mind, and I, I'm mm. just, I, I, I don't really trust the process. I've always gone on election day and voted. I take pride in it. Um, I haven't missed an election since I became eligible, and I'm 52. So from the time I was 18, Mm -hmm. I was registered to vote. Um, At that point in time, you couldn't register until you were 18. But thankfully, there's enough space between my birthday in August and election day that I was able to sail in under the deadlines. What's interesting up here, I'm a, um, as I said, a dual citizen. So I, I voted this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And you want to know how I voted? I will tell you. Wow. Uh, I, uh, I, I looked online. Uh, and I, I, uh, there are a bunch of different ways you can do it. Last place I lived was Washington State. So for, so for Washington State, I can use the last address that I uh, lived at. So I emailed them all the information. And then they emailed me back my ballot. You fill it in online. You hmm. print it out. You can fax it, mail it, or take a picture and attach it. Nice. Wow. Very easy. Yeah. That is convenience right yeah. there. Yeah. So that's what I did this past weekend. Which reminds me, do you think uh, Washington is about to, be, uh, D.C. is be, about to become a state? Do you think that's something that the Democrats might be interested in? I know they're interested in it. I sure hope they do it. I would hope that they do it, but I, I'm skeptical as far as whether it will actually happen. for the same reason as the court situation no that i'm not so worried about because the republicans don't really have any um any like options to uh to try and counter that so if puerto rico and dc become states mm-hmm. then you know I, there's not much the republicans can do i don't think you can take statehood away once it's granted so, you know, if it well, is, why I Why don't you think it's likely then? I mean, I think it's more likely than court expansion. Oh, yeah, I think I think it's likely. Mm-hmm. So, if I said before that I didn't, I misspoke. 
Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to take that step. I'm, I know there's a lot of people in the Senate that are willing to do it. Um, and if we maintain a, you know, a Senate majority, or excuse me, if we gain a Senate majority, maintain a House majority, then I think it's a possibility. But does that one take mm -hmm. 60 votes? I don't know if you need I don't a, know what the rules super, are. Think, a super majority in the Senate, you mean? Yeah, yeah. It might, but then they might they might start playing around with the filibuster. I again. think they yeah. should definitely get rid of the filibuster. Well, they would have to get rid of the filibuster in order to to get that through. But I'm nervous about that as well, because yeah. you know you don't stay in the majority forever, and you know you don't think that the Republicans wouldn't do it the first chance they got if they needed it. If there was something they wanted to do, I guarantee they would do it. Yeah, so let's right. us do it. I agree with Leah in that respect, I think. And and I'm I'm by no means a political scholar of, of American politics, but it would seem to me that that is exactly the beat on the Democrats. It The moment comes where they're in a position where they can do all of the things that the Republicans would do at the drop of a hat, very well illustrated by the current Supreme Court situation. Even when previously they have guaranteed that they would not do that, they'll do it anyway right. without any shame right. and reap the glory of having done that yet again and laugh straight in the Democrats' face. But then the Democrats' turn finally comes and they just have that holier-than-thou yeah. attitude that, that then prevents them from... Because then the, the, then the discussion is, well, what if, the Demo well, what if the Republicans do it too? The Republicans have been doing it this whole time. Yes. Yes, yeah, things have to be reframed. Like, I like the way you said uh, expansion of the court as opposed to court packing, because mm -hmm. sometimes things are just automatically framed in a, uh, a Republican way. Right. Um, what I want to see is I want to see, fingers crossed, Biden wins. I want to see them hit the ground running. I expect they will. Yes. Because I really think they only have two years. You're probably because right. Because when the midterms come up, mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So I really, really want them to have everything all lined up and ready to go. I know they've got lawyers ready for the uh, for the fight over the election. Yep. Uh, and but this is, I very much want them to go forward with the the agenda that I approve of, of course. Uh, <laughs> of but, course, yes. But but what I'm a but I also would like to see some justice, and I want to know can they work promoting the the, the democratic agenda? and also hold the Trump administration uh, accountable for what they did? Can they do both at the same time? I don't know. Well, I, I'm going to quote Julie and probably a hundred other people. Uh, the Democrats never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Um, so it, it's all, you know, plates, plates are spinning, and, and it's hard to say what actually will happen. I don't know if they're going to do anything to hold the Trump administration accountable. I, I don't know that it's even worth it to try and hold the Trump administration accountable. I would love to see Bill Barr behind bars. Uh, mm. Worst, worst ever. Pompeo, worst ever. Betsy DeVos, worst ever. But I don't know that she's done anything worth jailing her for. Um, but... I think that, you know, Biden being old school, uh, he's going to be most in favor of just leaving it in the past and moving forward. You mentioned Bill Barr. Has, is it true that nobody's seen him for a week? I don't think he's really been seen um, since about a week after the super spreader event in the Rose Garden for Barrett. Do we think that going forward, 
can the Democrats muster the amount of energy? Look, right now, every electoral vote record that has existed is being broken for this election. Uh, there were already many records broken for the midterms in 2018. Mm -hmm. Do we think that the Democrats can sustain that kind of energy or does that kind of energy only exist because the Trump administration has been so egregious in the view of Democrats? Can that be something that is sustained or will there be a collective exhale if Biden makes it into power on, on January 16th? There is a Biden administration. Is there going to be a Democratic exhale that, again, will make them sort of snowblind to whatever is going to happen on the right? while the right sort of reconfigures itself and then gets itself ready for 2022. I think it's going to matter on what uh, Biden's priorities are. I do believe that the progressive arm of the party is ready to go. So if I think they'll push and if they get some opening, then uh, there could be probably sustained energy because if we can get the kids moving and with the right, with the right, uh, agenda, I think we can, uh, like climate change. Uh, I, I, think, I think they can sustain it. And I think we really are going to need the young people. You know, they are what's coming up next. Uh, we need to do stuff that's going to engage them. Uh, so I think maybe yes. What do you think about it, Adam? Tell me. I think that it's possible, but going back to never miss, missing an opportunity to miss an opportunity, I think people get mm -hmm. complacent. So you know, much like when O'Biden, O'Biden, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, the O'Biden administration. Uh, the O'Biden administration. That, that, that was uh, Sarah Palin kept calling him O'Biden, which is why she asked mm -hmm. in the debate if she could just call him Joe. Uh, when, when Barack Obama won the presidency and then they got the ACA passed, then people got complacent and the Republicans got pissed. So uh, mm -hmm. that was a very short-lived majority in the House and not much longer-lived uh, in the Senate, which is why we're in the position we're in now. So I would like to think that the enthusiasm will stick around, that people will not have such a short memory and think that Trumpism is completely gone because I don't think it will be. Um, I think Trumpism is going to live longer than the Tea Party because there are a lot of people that feel so aggrieved that they're going to continue voting. Everything is to own the libs. There is nothing. There is nothing positive in the agenda. You know, it's there's and pardon the phrase, but you've used the word a few times as have I. Uh, there's somebody selling bumper stickers on Facebook Marketplace, which I've seen them elsewhere mm -hmm. too, that say Trump Pence 2020 because fuck you again. And that's, <laughs> yes, and that's, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and it's like, that's, that's what it is to a lot of people now. Now I'm hoping that some of the enthusiasm dies off when Trump is gone because I don't think he's, what, 74 years old now? Um, I don't think he's going to run again at 78 um, against Harris, and I don't know that he could win against Harris in, in 2024. But I could be wrong. I was wrong. 
I didn't think he, I thought he was going to lose to Hillary Clinton in a landslide. So I can't really prognosticate. I, I think I disagree with you a little bit, Adam, on the ACA and complacency. I don't okay. think there was any complacency, and I don't think they got the ACA that they wanted. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, in fact, initially, uh, that doesn't re resemble what Obama wanted at all. Uh, but lead, Lieber, in fact, they wanted a public option and a universal system. I wanted one. Uh, but, uh, but Lieberman came in and uh, uh, nixed that. And then there was uh, the Midwest Democratic senators. I'm going to say Nebraska, but I can't remember. But in the Midwest, that also nixed it. So there are some, some Democrats that, uh, that uh, uh, jumped ship. Mm -hmm. So uh, it wasn't complacency because they weren't happy with what they got. Maybe they were relieved with what they got, but that wasn't what they were trying for. Uh, what I think happened is that they hit the movable wall of uh, McConnell. Yeah. So I think, if anything, they might have gotten uh, uh, disheartened because they kept banging against that wall. And McConnell, you know, did his thing, uh, kept keeping us from the Democrats doing our thing. But what I think can happen this time uh, is I think we got to get rid of the, all the old people. You know, I think uh, Pelosi's done a magnificent job. I was so glad that she was still in power during this period with uh, uh, Trump. But mm -hmm. she's 80. She's got to go. You got to get the young people to have something, have them look, have something to look forward to. You know, uh, Biden, you know, thank goodness there's Harris. He's got to go. Um, I think he might have been, ended up being the ideal candidate, even though I didn't want him. I think, I think uh, the fact that it did end up being him ended up being a huge Democratic uh, advantage uh, to my chagrin. Uh, but got to, Gotta get rid of these old people and give make room for the younger people, and then I think there can be more energy. I gotta say, I was a Biden guy before it was cool. Uh, I was mm. Biden from the very beginning. Um, well, I don't think it's even cool now, but whatever. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But uh, I was a Biden. But he might be the man for the island. I was a Biden and a Buddha judge guy, and uh, I would have preferred if Biden would have run in 2016 instead of hillary i think we would be in a different situation right agreed now. Yeah. i think that would be we would be in a drastically different situation right now i think that biden would have won uh, i think that he would have won without question he i'm relatively certain would have won the three midwestern states um wisconsin pennsylvania michigan that hillary needed desperately might have even won florida and uh, part of that is because without being in power, as Trump is now, they wouldn't have any of the Burisma nonsense. So, you know, there, there would have still been Russian disinformation, I'm sure, because they prefer Trump. And he can say until he's blue in the, blue in the face, and boy, I wouldn't mind seeing him blue in the face. Um, have either of you seen the <laughs> Comey rule yet? No. It's no. really good. Really, really good. Really good. That Did I tell you it's me. really good? Do they it's really do good. they make Comey a villain? Because if they don't, I'm not interested. Oh, they don't. Then I'm not interested. Wah, wah. Yep. Um, it was really good. I recommend oh. it. <laughs> okay, so then maybe maybe we'll have to after the Borat movie I'm gonna have to watch the <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. 
I'm, cur I'm curious to Leah's point whether whether Trump has uh, whether whether Biden has learned anything from one of the biggest mistakes that Obama made during his years in office was that he did not watch the bench at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious whether now the bench has sort of pushed up right now. The bench is like, hi, we're here and mm -hmm. we're here and we want you to know that we're here. And this time, if we have to, we'll take care of our own bench because we we'll just start doing stuff over here and we we here we have an agenda. Well maybe cuz he did call himself transitional, didn't he? Yes. So he's got some idea. Yeah, about, we're going about, from transactional to transitional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I hope so. And Feinstein, I think what she did with the with the at the trial or at the uh mm -hmm. hearings made me sick. I think it was just unnecessary. It was counterproductive. I'm fascinated. One day I, I will love to, re I would just love to read all of the books that really describe this particular Trump years from every possible angle, because I'm so curious how a moment like that, which was meant to be a moment of some bipartisanship, I guess, and Diane Feinstein's opinion, but then had serious repercussions. I mean, there was, there was serious, serious pushback when she did that. And so I'm I'm so curious whether that generation is so invested in hanging on to something that they knew for almost the entirety of their careers to be one thing that has been so eroded during these four years, mm -hmm. but that they just cannot let go of because that's what they that's what they nurtured, that's what brought them there, that's what, what kept them there, that's what they what they tried to maintain. And all of that is now, I would say, in a lot of it is is in ashes. No, I would say it goes back beyond, way beyond the four years. I think it goes back to Gingrich, and then mm -hmm. yeah, um, that's fair. And then during the Obama years, McConnell just turned it up way past eleven. Mm -hmm. it, and and you know, starting from the moment Barack Obama won, hadn't even been inaugurated. And Mitch McConnell is out there saying our goal is to make Obama a one-term president. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just going to say, did either of you see the photo, recent photographs of uh, um, McConnell's hands? Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a strange phenomenon that he does not want to talk about. No. Yeah, somebody had, had mentioned um, in one of the tweets uh, a particular condition that causes that, uh, but I cannot recall the, the name of the condition. I know some something. people were talking about blood blood thinners, yeah, stuff like that. But well, um, I'm on blood thinners, and I don't have any of that kind of problem. So he, yeah, but you're you're not a hundred. No, I, how old mm -hmm. is he? He's no. pretty damn old. Yeah, he he is rather old. It's a fascinating moment in history, and I'm really grateful to have friends to talk about that moment in history with, because my anxiety levels right now, were it not for this podcast and and for the dorm and and for Twitter would be so off the charts that I just would not know what to do with myself all day long. You'd have to drink. I'd have no, you know, I tried, I said that yesterday too. I, the other day I tried to, I had a bottle of wine by myself. That was sort of my, <laughs> my attempt at drinking and, and it went so poorly. I had such a hangover. I'm allergic to tannin. So I was, I was, I was stuffy. I was, I woke up the next morning. I, I felt like, I felt so terrible and I was and I looked at that bottle and I was like there are people who can do this all day long and just get up the next morning yeah. and go back to whatever yeah. it is that they were doing yeah. and I'm not one of those people. Do you so. have an election day plan? We were talking about, I was that was going to be my last question for oh, you guys sorry. actually. Do you guys have an election day plan? 
Thank you, Leah, for, for reminding me. I really don't. I don't know what to do yet. Um, How about you, Adam? What are you going to do? Me? Um, I have a, a plan that I worked out with my boss, actually. Uh, months hmm. ago, I requested November 4th off. Um, but we, we're at a point in time, I'm in a technical field, uh, where we have to do recertifications for the equipment that we work on. So I was looking at my training schedule, and it's all self-paced, and I have mm, about six hours worth of work to do. So I said to my boss the other day, hey, uh, November 3rd, uh, how about I set that aside for a training day? Because without going into all of the inside baseball, it, you have to set aside a whole day for training because it messes with your numbers otherwise. So he said, yeah, okay, I'll pencil it in. We're good. So um, I'm getting up with my wife, and we're going to be, like I said, in line at 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we're going to hopefully be in the first couple of people in line uh, because our polling place, we live in a fairly small community, and we have not really been hit like other places with voter suppression because we're in a blue state. So uh, things move pretty smoothly. So we're going to go in. Hopefully we'll be out of there by 6.30. I'll take my wife to breakfast. Uh, she's going to work. Then I'll come home and get started on, uh, get started on my training modules. And uh, I plan on maybe at some point after I finish them, taking a little bit of a nap. And then uh, we'll get carry out from Tacos El Norte, which is our voting day tradition. <laughs> and uh, usually it's not carry out. It would be dine in, but not now. <laughs> so we'll get, we'll get carry out, eat a nice leisurely dinner. Um, I will let her watch her and have the TV because she's not as into this as I am. <laughs> so she can have the TV mm -hmm. until about nine or 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll watch the evening news. So I'll get my I'll at least know what the Illinois returns are. Not like it's going to be a big mystery. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I'm off on November 4th. So um, I'm going to use November 4th to work on my charcuterie skills. That's an excellent, excellent plan. Charcuterie skills are the best plan I've heard so far, actually, for November 4th. Yes. Unless Leah is going to tell us about another plan right now that's going to blow the charcuterie plate away. <laughs> well, very few things can. Um, but we aren't. We don't even know if we're going to know by November fourth. You are probably correct. It, but, yes, but I do not want to even contemplate that. So please, okay. just tell us about your plan and okay. don't ever repeat that again because okay. I'll get a headache. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't have TV. I'm untethered. Oh. I get all my stuff off the computer. Hmm. Um. Uh, so. Uh, and I have Sirius, obviously, and I listen to my Sirius through the computer. Uh, so if there's no power, I'm out of luck. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll be doing everything through. Then you'll be on through, your phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, all my devices. Um, like last night for the debate, I watched uh, PBS NewsHour does a live live stream with the uh, with the debate. You know, they have a pregame show and a postgame show. Um, so anyway, so I, I do that through them. Uh, I'm imagining the POTUS will have stuff on, won't they? For sure. Yeah, certainly. Um, but, you know, so there are a couple definitions for untethered. So, you know, there's 
that kind of untethered and the fact that I will be mentally untethered. And the other way, like I uh, envision myself, you know, like those pinball machines, mm-hmm. I'll be like yes. one of those balls banging all over the machine with lights flashing. <laughs> Like ricocheting everywhere. Ricocheting everywhere. With, yeah. I'm just bing, 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 bing. I will be out of my mind. Um, <laughs> which is why I said to my son, you know. He's going to be there. Better, either be here or don't be here because I'm going to be out of my mind. <laughs> I know when uh, Hillary, when she lost, luckily That's I was alone in the house because I howled. I mean, it was guttural. I was shocked at how visceral it was uh and i don't even want to think of what's going to happen if you know something bad happens you were not alone with the hillary thing i walked around apoplectic for days yeah 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 i think the hillary situation would have been one thing but after four years of of experiencing what this could be like imagining another four years seems daunting in ways that are hard to describe in words actually you know i would think that it could be a runaway you know like uh, like a uh, McGovern in reverse, except uh, for voter suppression. You right. know, it's all that stuff. Otherwise, I really, I would be as confident as I'm capable of being, which is not very. But with voter suppression, I just don't know how it's going to go. You know, and all the other tricks that they have in their books and, and the Supreme Court and everything else. That's what's really making me uneasy. Yes. Well, it's, it, it seems that the Democrats, from the numbers, it looks like the Democrats are voting in huge record-breaking numbers um, early for that exact reason. And the Republicans are hoping that all of their votes are going to show up on Election Day. But how many of those votes are going to be disqualified? Because they didn't dot the... their eye or you know, cross their teeth the same way they did it 30 years who, earlier. When they who knows? No, I, I think that's, that kind of fuckery is going to be hard to, uh, is going to be hard to control for a while. And, and yeah. I absolutely agree with you. That's the, the most unpredictable part of, of what we're going to look at is what's going to happen then and also what's going to happen um, in the days that follow. I'm, I'm really scared about Florida. That, that Florida yeah. scares me. Yeah. Uh, DeSantis yeah. scares me. And Scott yeah. scares me. And uh, it's... Uh, that Florida situation could be ugly because if he loses Florida, the night's going to be over. Correct. So yeah. If, oh yeah, absolutely. We're good. If he loses Florida, we're yeah. golden. Yeah. Which we which we won't know for a while, but still, either Florida or North Carolina, either one of those don't work out. Well, look what happened two years ago in 2018. You know, those were awfully close elections for Senate and Governor, and mm-hmm. I'm not particularly confident in the in the vote counts either. Yeah. Um, so. Not in Florida or Georgia. Georgia, yeah, Georgia especially too. Georgia apparently seeing incredible record turnout, like crazy, crazy numbers. I just read like a, about an hour ago. That would be great. I'm yeah. hoping, uh, and I'm hoping that uh, what's his name, Les Lindsay, Lindsay. I hope, I hope. Yeah, South Carolina. Yeah, that was that was moved to a toss up the other day. So I don't, I, sure hope I don't that. know where it's at now, but I know that as of. Uh, a day or two ago, it was it was toss up. It was toss up for Cook, but I think the, there was a, I saw the first poll I think by Morning Consult that had uh, that had the challenger Jamie. ahead. Yeah, Jamie Harrison. Yeah, yes. that had yeah that had Harrison ahead. Um, another really exciting thing that would I, I would be really happy with is if the uh, Texas legislature. Did you hear Abby Livingston on the on the press pool talking yeah. about Texas? 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that purple situation is now a serious situation. That's not just some, you know, yeah. something that people say every four or two years and then everybody laughs it off and sort of shrugs. And, and Julie is the one who laughs the hardest. She's like, no way, sure. no way. Yeah, well, but maybe this year. Here's the way I look at it. It wasn't so long ago that they had a Democratic governor. Yeah, I remember. Ann Richardson. Richardson. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't long time ago. <laughs> we're, just, we're just not young. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they, they almost had better. He came relatively close. He came yes. close. I think maybe he should have run for corn and seed after all. I think he should have. I thought, I yeah, thought Cornyn was a, a shoe in and was just going to be a waste of time to run against him. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. I really liked him, too. I think he had some substance. He wasn't ready to run for president. But, uh, you know. How's MJ Hagar doing in that race? That That's who's running against Cornyn, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's all really close. I think Cornyn has a much better chance than Cruz did, and Cruz won. Yeah. So I think the chances yeah. of, of Cornyn losing are probably slight. But Cornyn has been flailing a little bit lately, and the flailing is uh, is notable and suspicious. Well, I so, say, yeah, the fact that he's separated himself from mm-hmm. Trump exactly. even a tinge means that he's more than you know at least a little concerned which is odd like you said going back to harrison one of the interesting plays that that he's made is there is a ultra far right candidate people that would have never voted for you know people that would vote for that person wouldn't have voted for him anyway um he's they've been passing off flyers for that guy in ultra conservative neighborhoods so playing, you know, playing the Republicans game against them. Splitting it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the guys that would have never voted for Democrat and would have voted for Graham, well, they might just vote for this far right guy because they're not going to, you know, because they're frustrated with Graham. So, you know, he could wind up getting it not from not from positive votes, but <laughs> positive votes for him, but negative votes for Graham or against I'll take Graham. it anyway. Yeah. I take it anyway. We could take it. Sorry, I'm looking at Lou Dobbs uh, posting a piece about Lou Gra- uh, about Lou Dobbs posting about Lindsey Graham, and he yeah. wants the voters of South Carolina not to vote for him. What's that about? I who the fuck knows? Good. Brit Hume is just <laughs> Brit Hume and Lou Dobbs are two very very confused men. I'm I'm going to use baseball uh, something out of baseball. In the '80s, the White Sox had a had a really good season, and Somebody coined the phrase winning ugly because mm-hmm. it, I don't even remember the context of it because I was only I wasn't anywhere near the White Sox fan then that I am now. But mm-hmm. um, the coach at the time said, you know, would you rather win ugly or lose pretty? So <laughs> I'm willing to take winning ugly. Yeah, I'm with you. And because I'm one of those people who said decades ago that we should be hiring people like Rick Wilson because if they're going to sling mud at you, you might as well sling it back. And the Lincoln project, if I was old enough at the time and had the wherewithal would have been something I would have started 20 years ago. Do you like their work generally? I do, but you know, it, it all comes down to the art of war. The enemy of my enemy is my friend that, uh, if Joe Biden manages to, take this election on January 21st, there will be anti-Biden ads coming out of the Lincoln Project. Mm. They'll just name it something else. I agree with you, Adam. You know, enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, 
the only yes, and I love their ad. Yes, but I th- this I've listened to other people talk about it, other podcasts, uh, and what? Uh, other podcasts. <laughs> oh, oh Leah, what? Oh no. Um, you know that's the other thing that's really interesting is when you were talking about how things have changed, like in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's only been the last couple of years I started really listening to podcasts. And now I can't even imagine my life without them. The fact that you're a knower of podcasts and still agree to be on this one uh, pleases me. <laughs> well, this is the, the most of the most. I, I'm honored to be included. Now uh, <laughs> what do you think I get all my information from? Uh, it's a bunch of podcasts. Um, but And Julie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was just like today. And it might have even been like on Slate or something. And they were talking about them. Uh, and the different kinds of ads that appeal to different kinds of people. And for example, what the Lincoln Project does and has said this is the, why they're doing it is to get under Trump's skin. Yes. And they're succeeding. But really, the only people besides driving cr- Trump crazy, my understanding is, uh, are people like us that are already engaged and really enjoy their ads. As far as actually swaying people out there, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's not the kind of ad uh, that, those ap- that appeals to them. Mm. Uh, true or not, that's my understanding um but it appeals to people like us so uh, it preaches to the converted basically yeah yes. yeah uh, or, or not just it's also like you said before like inside baseball for people who are already uh, interested mm-hmm. in this kind of thing are going to uh, enjoy those ads my favorite thing about the lincoln project is that they play their ads um on fox news um uh, during the times that trump is watching in the dc market so that it's not they are the best trollers. They are because it, it's it, and as they've said, Rick and Steve both, they are putting the ads in that market. They don't consider it a waste of money because it is for an audience of one. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm enjoying it. I have to say, but the people I was listening to speak earlier were saying all the money that are being that's being sent to the Lincoln Project, while fun. Uh, could perhaps be going better spent if sent to a Democratic organization that would also be using it for, you know, down ballot races, things like that, rather than this kind of marquee kind of ad that really, Mm -hmm. really doesn't make any difference. I would tend to agree. A good point. Uh, No, thank you both for for making time for this on such a short notice. It's wonderful to hear from both of you. I cannot guarantee that we will not hear from you again. Well, I look forward to it already. Same here. All right. Thank you. Have a good Bye-bye. night, guys. Good night. Talk to you soon.